Well, thank you for joining us right here. This is uh, Channel Africa, the African Perspective. Yes, it's African Dialogue. It's 11 o'clock at that time once again, uh, Central African time, where you can uh, look at the big topics on the African continent. Thank you for joining us. Our shortwave service is uh, on uh, the 31-meter band to southern Africa. Uh, the frequency is 9625 kilohertz. And also you can listen to us uh, on uh, DSTV in South Africa and neighboring countries. I'm not sure how far that DSTV um, um, channel is, but uh, uh, you can listen to us on channel 802 on the audio bouquet on DSTV or stream us on our website www.channelafrica.co.za Today we're asking that question, how do tribal conflicts manifest on the African continent? You can give us your thoughts on our Twitter handle at Channel Africa 1 or at African Dialogue. I want to hear from you. It's a historical fact that national borders imposed on the African continent by colonialism have forced ethnic groups to coexist within certain territories and also not just to coexist but to also compete for resources and space uh, within those territories. Now, in the current post-colonial context, for more than four decades, countries such as Mali, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Sudan, amongst many others, have experienced rebellions and some of them have been characterized by ethnic and racial tensions. Now, we're going to speak to some guests to really help us on this particular issue. And uh, joining us on the line, we've got Professor Sylvester Maposa, who's the Chief Research Specialist at the Africa Institute of South Africa. And uh, that's part of a program within the Human Sciences Research Council. We also have Advocate Sabelo Sibanda. I haven't spoken to him for a long time. He's the founder of the School of African Awareness and Ama Africa Akoto. And we'll see if we can still get to Paul uh, Mulindwa, who is a senior project officer at the Center for Conflict Resolution. Thank you both uh, for giving us your time. In the Wilma, let me start the, the, the process and the uh, program with you, uh, Professor uh, Maposa. Thank you for giving us your time. I know that uh, you know tribal conflicts have various manifestations on the African uh, continent. Some of them come from pastoral tribes. Some of them are within ethnic uh, uh, characteristics. But in terms of it being a historical fact, how much of it is it through the contribution of colonialism, uh, the current uh, ethnic uh, divisions that we're currently seeing, Professor, on the African continent? Thank you. Good morning, Benjamin, and uh, good morning to the to the listeners. Um, the issue of identity on the continent. Uh, first, let me state that it's not a simple uh, issue that mm. would need a simple answer. It's quite a complex. It's quite a complex, uh, a complex issue, which really needs you know long-term um, um, you know interrogation. Mm. Mm. Uh, all groups across the uh, across the world they have cultures, and cultures define defined groups mm. and it's a fact that 
you know, the coming in of uh, the white people um, disrupted and dehumanized people uh, brutally through the sketch of slavery, through colonialism, racism, apartheid, exploitation, and today we see uh, coloniality continuing uh, that brutal sketch on the African peoples. Mm -hmm. And so that disrupted the cultures of people and how they build their identities. Uh, that is historical and that is a fact which has impacted today's identities that we see. But what makes contemporary uh, uh, identities complex is the nature of the unfolding uh, democratic dispensation. Uh, the increasing competition amongst groups and um, the increasing deprivation uh, creates cultures around which people find common identities and mobilize around those common identities. So really, the issue of identity, um, uh, the issue of mobilization and violence that accompanies that uh, has a, 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 a long-term history mm. of colonialism, apartheid, and the, the present coloniality that we see. And also, uh, you know, combining it with the leadership uh, flaws, leadership challenges, mm -hmm. uh, leadership styles which are based on Western perspectives uh, at the expense of uh, contextual culture. Because we need the cultures like Batopili, uh, Ubuntu, to guide our leadership styles. Mm -hmm. And that... Uh, um, 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 disruption of the African cultures mm. uh, creates this challenge in terms of the leadership styles that we see today, which exacerbate uh, inequalities, which exacerbate uh, uh, deprivations. And we see many people today, you know, uh, with genuine grievances around issues of land, around issues of recognition in terms of their ethnic backgrounds. Uh, around issues of uh, employment, around issues of access to resources mm -hmm. and control to power. These are genuine grievances. And also these are, you know, contemporary issues, mm -hmm. but which are a result of, well, the contemporary leadership, which, you know, um, um, is diluted by Western perspectives. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I want to come back to uh, some examples of um, some tribal uh, conflicts that we've seen. We know there are situations in uh, uh, the DRC. We know South Sudan is also on, on, on the brink of that particular problem because it seems to be an ongoing issue there in, in South Sudan. But you also you've seen it in a country such as Mali, and uh, we've seen uh, various, various dynamics there uh, in various countries. Even in the Arab uh, world, we've We've seen uh, those kind of interactions that are highlighted there by yourself, uh, Professor Maposa. Let me move on to Paul uh, Mulindwa, who is joining us from the senior, uh, rather from the Center for uh, Conflict Resolution. Paul, thank you for giving us your time. But you are going to give us uh, your thoughts in terms of, uh, uh, you know, conflicts that take place in the context of uh, uh, pastoral tribes. I know that you are uh, a pastoralist you, you, yourself, Paul. Tell us a little bit about. Uh, uh, your experiences and uh, a little bit about uh, how can these conflicts uh, take place in pastoral communities. Okay, thank you uh, very much uh, for the time and for the show. Um, as you rightly said, I come from the pastoralist uh, community and I have lived with the pastoralists in the 
western south western part of Uganda. I come from Uganda. Um, as you said, Paul Mrinda are my name. Um, I work with the Center for Conflict Resolution, uh, based in Cape Town, um, as a senior project officer coordinating the activities in Great Lakes, among others, uh, other tasks, um, working with uh, pastoralist communities on conflict mitigation and uh, management processes. Yes, um, I will address myself to the pastoralist issues uh, within the Great Lakes, or what we call Horn of Africa. Uh, we have to understand that the pastoral communities are among the poorest in sub, um, Af uh, Saharan Africa, uh, accounting for like 20, about 20 million uh, people in, in this context. Uh, the conflicts um, within pastoral communities are diverse, and, but uh, what we need to understand mainly are the uh, issues related to pasture for their animals, uh, the conflicts that come from um, uh, dwindling uh, natural resources, uh, especially water, uh, and then, as I said, pastures for their animals. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we have Paul there. Paul, are you still there with us? Uh, um, I think I've lost the connection with you. Paul, can you say something for me? I want to hear if you're still there. Yeah, Paul, Paul, I can hear you. Can Can you hear me? Yes, I, I can hear you. Yeah, that's much better. Yes, you were talking about uh, the issues of uh, uh, the real scramble for resources such as water and territory. You You can continue there, Paul. Yes, yes. Um, uh, water, uh, the pasture for the for the animals, as well as the land tenure systems that are coming uh, of recent, uh, based on the new development government policies that have uh, sort of squeezed the pastoralists from the uh, previous uh, massive lands they owned to fewer and fewer plots of land. Uh, we realize, um, if uh, we go back to the history, that some of the issues that are, man uh, are causing conflict now are all manifested uh, recent in the recent development are a result of the pre-colonial and colonial uh, policies and the issues that came about. Mm -hmm. For instance, we find in Uganda the gazetting of massive lands that used to be communal lands for pastoralists and now the governments have gazetted all these lands for mm. national development projects have resulted in squeezing or uh, throwing out the pastoralists from these lands and now they are competing for small lands. As um, a result, there is a conflict. Mm. What we need to understand uh, for pastoralists, um, it, it, it is a, a livelihood, it is the way of life. So um, in most cases, pastoralists, whether the land reduces, whether the land grows big, uh, for them, the cows, the animals, look at the camels, look at the sheep, will always continue to be the same number. So um, that is the dilemma around there. So they don't reduce the animals based on the resources they have because it is the livelihood. So uh, poor uh, government policies have contributed to this um, uh, Conflict. Mm -hmm. Then um, there is also the because of um, uh, fewer resources, mm -hmm. and most of these pastoralists are living alongside the uh, crop agriculturists or crop farmers. 
So there is a tendency of the animals now straying into the lands or the gardens of the crop farmers. As a result, there is also tension. And mm-hmm. this has created a lot of conflict between mm-hmm. the pastoralists and crop uh, farmers. There is mm-hmm. also uh, issues of the conflict, um, and this is related to small arms proliferation. Um, if you look in the Horn of Africa, mm-hmm. you will realize uh, that this is the region that is, um, has been under conflict for quite long. You mm-hmm. can say five to six decades now. Mm-hmm. You look at South Sudan in the 70s, you look at Somalia, you look at Djibouti, Eritrea, Ethiopia, mm-hmm. you look at Kenya, Uganda since uh, 86, if you can call it since uh, 1980, to, we can say present, the, the proliferation of, sm- of small arms, coupled with the traditional practices of mm-hmm. uh, cattle rustling. Mm-hmm. In the past, cattle wrestling was like um, an exercise, a communal exercise. I come, I take your cows, you come, we take uh, my uh, animals mm-hmm. without shedding blood. But of recent, we have seen using these sophisticated means and automatic weaponry from macro, as I said, macro level conflict have penetrated into the communities. And now they are using this traditional uh, practice to steal to intimidate and to um, terrorize the communities. Well, and uh, it has resulted so. in a big, big conflict in South Sudan. You look at the Dinka, mm. you look at the Murre, mm. you, look, you look at the Mundaris, the way they are now are taking cows, animals from each other is really alarming. You come to Uganda, you look at how Karamajongs uh, um, uh, evade uh, Teso community, take their cows and then the revenges, things like that. Mm. Now, well, I'm going to come back to those particular yes. areas. I'm going to come back to you, Advocate Sabelo Siband. I know you've been listening there patiently on the line, and I'll come back to uh, Professor Sylvester Maposa. I also want to uh, get uh, okay. know that uh, Mr. Maposa has uh, some experiences and some research, especially working within the context of the DRC, especially that... Uh, political nature that uh, uh, sometimes these uh, tribal differences uh, can uh, take on. I'm going to take a quick break. Uh, What are your thoughts? Uh, How do tribal conflicts manifest on the African continent? Uh, I think Mr. Paul uh, Molindwa highlighted things very much on a very uh, descriptive uh, basis there when it comes uh, to the pastoral uh, communities. We're going to take a quick break and continue this fascinating and interesting conversation with our guests. SABC is calling on all South Africans to play their part and to support relief efforts for the people affected by the Western Cape storms and wildfires. You can support by providing non-perishables and other much-needed resources. Please donate across all SABC offices nationally, the gift of the givers, and other NGOs who are working with first responders on the ground. Let's come together, South Africa, as a country and as a people, and let's help where it's needed the most. Follow SABC platforms for more updates. This is an SABC Foundation-supported initiative. 
Yes, you're listening to Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama, right here on African uh, Dialogue. And uh, uh, remember, uh, in a few minutes or so, in about 20 minutes, we'll give you the business news and we'll also have the sports uh, thereafter. Uh, joining us on our program, we've got three uh, fantastic guests. Professor Sylvester Maposo is joining us from the Human Sciences Research Council. Also, Paul Mulindwa is joining us from the Center for Conflict Resolution and advocate Sabelo Sibanda is the founder of the School of African Awareness and Ama Africa Akoto. Sabelo, let me come to you in terms of ethnic uh, uh, divisions. I know in South Africa we've had a history no, of... Uh, advocate, are you there with um, me? There is, oh, yes, I'm with you. Okay, there is some overlap. It sounds like there is some other program running in the background. I oh, no, okay, all right. We'll see if we can okay. sort sort that out. Just hold on uh, there for us, uh, advocate. Let, let me rather, in, in the meanwhile, go back to Professor Maposa while we're sorting uh, that line by advocate uh, uh, Sibanda. Uh, Pro- Professor Maposa, I want to come back to you in terms of how these uh, particular conflicts, tribal conflicts, ethnic conflicts, whatever the term is, actually uh, takes on sometimes uh, political ambitions and we've seen these actually also playing on the lines of a fight of resources in in areas such as the DRC in uh, in the in the central Republic of, of the Congo. We've also seen these dynamics uh, take place uh, in uh, in Nigeria, but there we're seeing that the conflicts in terms of tribal lines take on a religious nature. Uh, can you give us a little bit of your thoughts around how these, uh, uh, you know, conflicts actually also play on that particular political uh, dimension? Um, Benjamin, uh the issue of identity is a phenomenon that is um, always on the shift. It is not static. Uh, identities, uh, ethnic groupings, uh, they, they, the, the, the shades which make those different groups, they change in response to the social, uh, economic, and political times of the manifestation of that group. So much that... Uh, you know, today the conflicts that we see, uh, they are not so much based on the tribal or ethnicity of the groups, but we have a term that we use like, you know, these identifications, uh, these identities are more of ethnopo, uh, uh, ethno, uh, ethno-political. These are identities that develop around, you know, common or collective uh, issues of interest. Uh, it could be against a state, it could be against another group. Uh, for instance, um, 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 I may call, uh, say, within the context of South Africa, the taxi, the, 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 the taxi association, that's an identity, that's a group that mobilizes against, around those common interests. And so they have issues against the state, against the different groups. And we see the kinds of you know, violence that associate with such identities in competition for space, in competition for, uh, for, for, for resources, uh, uh, and, and in competition for, for equality. But however, these issues, they are ingrained in the colonial uh, and the, in the exploitative and the coloniality structures that persist. And that is how we see, for instance, if in the DRC, 
There are serious, uh, more than 250 ethnic groups. But the forms of conflict, the forms of identities that mobilize, they are not so based on ethnicity alone. Uh, they are based on other issues uh, that groups find themselves collectively with interest. Uh, it could be an issue of security uh, in a particular village or in a particular hill um, uh, in the presence of, say, rebels. And so people mobilize together and they form that common identity. And the, the identity, the group, um, um, is, is, is pressurized to undertake any forms mm. of action around which they can protect their interests. Mm. So really, the issue of uh, identities is quite quite complex mm. and cannot be reduced to tribal or ethnic sure. background. Mm. Let, let me bring in Advocate Sabelo Sibanda. Is, is that line much better, Advocate? Yes, it is. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's much, much better Fant- now. Fantastic. It's great to be speaking to you. It's been a while. But uh, Advocate, you know, what's interesting yes. is also we've seen that history in South Africa itself where we are based as a radio station. The fact that uh, when we saw ourselves... Uh, actually in a new dispensation, not even just prior to the new dispensation in the early 90s, we had the same kind of uh, infighting within uh, ethnic battles in, 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 in South Africa. And, and we did see uh, that kind of violence and conflicts almost on the lines of uh, uh, ethnic identity. No, it, it is true that um, ethnic identity plays an important issue and um, is a vital factor. And um, even here as well, in um, the context of um, South Africa, in the sense that um, when you notice even some of the civil service um, protests that we have, some of them, like what um, Professor Maposa said right now, um, looking at it from the DRC perspective about people who identify themselves around a particular cause and therefore become a certain grouping, we have that here as well, but within the generality of that grouping, you end up finding a situation where people continue to... Um, identify themselves according to their ethnic groups as well. So you'll find, for instance, um, if there is a protest within the context of, um, say, God is in Natal, it can be something happening in Japan, which um, for all intents and purposes is cosmopolitan. But as it develops, as it evolves, the issue of ethnicity ends up raising its head. And definitely these are the, um, some of the vestiges of our colonial experience as African people. Because um, the colonial experience was designed to ensure that we are kept as weak as possible. And the way to keep us weak is um, to divide us so that we don't see ourselves from a common position. That is why you find that um, from a pan-African perspective, we view ethnicity as something to be celebrated within the generality of our Africanness. It does not inform difference. It's like, um, imagine a family where you have um, brothers and sisters. They have their own individual names which speak to their own 
individual identity and therefore characteristics, but they share a common surname. So the way we look at it is that um, we should be reinterpreting for ourselves and to the realization of our advancement what ethnicity means to us as African mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. whereby we are able to say that ethnicity basically speaks to a greater element of the manifestation of our cultural mm. heritage mm. because at the end of the day we have a commonality in as far as African culture is concerned mm. but the manifestation thereof is what um, tends to have different variations mm. so that is why you find someone like Samora Machel saying for Africa to unite the nation must die about the nation state, but we take it further and say, for Africa to unite, the ethnic group must die. And that does not mean that we want a mono-ethnic group within mm. Africa. It merely says that we take the ism out of tribalism. Because once you incorporate the ism into it, mm. it becomes something that is around a particular grouping that sees itself as different or in competition or in conflict with another group. Mm-hmm. You find that um, this aspect is also seen during what is um, generally referred to as um, xenophobia, which mm-hmm. for us as Africanists mm-hmm. we say, no, it's not. It's um, actually Afrophobia and mm-hmm. um, Afrohatred, whereby you find that um, even the people who are being attacked, I'll give you an example, especially with the Zimbabwean community. Mm. When you have this um, uprising happening, the tendency is that you'll hear the independent people saying, but why are we being attacked? You should be attacking the donors. Mm. Because mm. they basically now view themselves as different and the donors is mm. the other. Mm. Mm. Our ethnicity must not inform a position whereby we view a situation of us and them. Mm. Let, let me move on to... So, I, I hear the points that you bring in in terms of some of the um, change of uh, thinking in terms of how we address uh, these ethnic divisions. But coming to you, Mr. Paul Mulindwa, is uh, I'm also fascinated by how geographical territories actually exacerbate the situation, especially uh, from a pastoral uh, situation, especially these borders that have been created through colonial uh, histories. We see that... Uh, some of these uh, geographical divisions are the ones that actually also accelerate uh, these ethnic divisions, Paul? Uh, yes, um, you are right to say so. Uh, and the facts on the ground, uh, for sure, will exonerate us or will um, uh, you know, stand by our argument. Um, the boundaries that came with the Berlin Conference the scrum and partition of Africa, as the historians would want to take it, have in the recent days and currently exacerbating the conflict, especially between the pastoral communities. I will take example of Uganda and Kenya, um, as well as the South Sudan and Uganda and Kenya. There is what we call Karamoja Kato Corridor. 
you will find out that because of this, and I will agree with the prof um, on the ethnic identity, uh, you will find that in Uganda there is one tribe, for instance, called Pokot, and you will find the other tribe in Kenya called Pokot. The culture is the same, the language is the same, tradition, norms, way of everything is the same. What divides them is the boundary. Now, the other one is because of divide and rule policies that came with uh, colonial administration. They are fighting against each other now because you are a Ugandan, I am a Kenyan. You go to uh, South Sudan, the same thing. Communities, you know, the Dinga around in, in South Sudan, you find the same group in Kenya. So these boundaries have contributed and escalated the conflict. And in some, um, in some corners, for instance, when it comes to solutions, looking for solutions for this uh, conflict, uh, uh, and as I said uh, before, uh, with the proliferation of arms, you find Uganda is putting up um, something towards disarming uh, the pastoral uh, communities in, uh, in Uganda. But because the brothers and sisters are across border, what they do is to run to them. At this time, they gang against the government now. So Uganda is doing it, but they cross over to uh, another country, and they are harbored there. South Sudan, Kenya is doing it. They run over to uh, over to South Sudan and they hide there. As the dust settles uh, in quotes, they come back to their communities. The arms, they are trading arms between brothers and sisters. So to some extent, actually, one can say to a larger extent, these boundaries have contributed to the uh, to the um, conflict currently. And among the pastoralists, what we need to understand is. Pastoralists knows no boundaries. For them, they follow where the pasture is. If there is water, you, you are not going to come and say the boundary stops here. Now, that in itself brings in, um, how do you call it, uh, inter- international relations between the states uh, also becoming a little bit uh, fragile. It has happened in the... Uh, between Uganda and DRC, where pastoralists have invaded a bigger chunk of DRC, and it was uh, a critical issue. So uh, the boundaries um, mm. at the present uh, contribute also to the conflict in the region. Mm. Professor Maposa, I'm also interested in terms of the scrambling of natural resources. I know in the DRC that's also central to these ethnic divisions. Your thoughts on that? Um. Indeed, the issue of natural resources has been a source of uh, conflict. Yes. Um, um, the colleague from Center for Conflict Resolution has just been, uh, you know, outlining how uh, pastoral conflicts uh, manifest. Is one example of natural resource-based conflict. Mm. Yes, we have issues, for example, in Zimbabwe, mm. and also presently here in South Africa. And in many countries of the continent, where land has been a source of conflict, competition for land, uh, competition for resources, especially mineral resources and other forests uh, and other resources uh, of the land, including forests. Um, for instance, we have this ongoing Tolobian uh, conflict that has been ravaging for the past decade. Um, uh, Tolobian in the um, um, uh, Eastern Cape region. 
around um, mineral and mining rights uh, that the community members are not interested in, but there are some groups that are, 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 are coercively and are forcing this into, into the community members. So we have seen community members mobilizing um, around these issues of uh, their rights uh, and how issues of participation, especially in uh, 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 democratic and open societies uh, like the ones that we have here in South Africa and a much part of the continent uh, moving towards open societies, uh, there is a great need for, 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 for inclusive politics, um, 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 gendered inclusive politics um, that accord opportunity to all uh, citizens and the members within uh, 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 those regions, the opportunity to fully participate on the decisions around which resources can be exploited for their benefit. Mm. I'm going to take one more break and then we're going to conclude after that break. Thank you for joining us and listening to this very intriguing uh, education kind of program that we're having today looking at um, how uh, tribal conflicts manifest on the African continent. Sometimes when we do a lot of stories, especially the political focus stories, uh, we hear uh, you know, the narration that there are sometimes uh, tribal uh, manifestations even within uh, those uh, political situations. What are your thoughts? How do uh, tribal uh, conflicts manifest on the African continent? Engage with us or just uh, join us uh, uh, to get more updates on our Twitter handle at African Dialogue or at uh, Channel Africa One. We're going to take a quick one. We'll be back. Channel Africa, giving you the African perspective and African dialogue, gives you a perspective from various uh, uh, views from our guests. Today we're joined by Paul Mulindwa, Senior Project Officer at the Center for Conflict Resolution, as well as Professor uh, Sylvester Maposa, Chief Research Specialist at the Africa Institute of South Africa Program, which is uh, uh, part of the Human Sciences uh, Research Council. I also have Advocate Sabelo Sibanda, who is the founder of the School of African Awareness and Ama Africa Accord. So now we have to be very brief and very short with these answers uh, that I would like to uh, really look at in terms of conflict management uh, from a tribal uh, context. Uh, maybe let me start with you, Advocate Sibanda. Give me a, uh, just a minute of uh, what are the central themes when you walk into a, a tribal conflict? Uh, uh, how do you deal with those particular uh, issues in terms of managing them and coming to a form of resolution. Advocate, in a minute, give me your thoughts on that. Ah, thank you. Well, um, look, I tend to look at it from a perspective where we should not be managing conflict. We should be enhancing the cohesive elements of um, mm. society. Mm. Because for me, managing conflict simply means the conflict is there and we're making it possible for people to live within the context of the conflict mm. 
whereas we should be looking at those cohesive factors so that we can enhance that which basically unites us so that we are able to overcome what divides us. Mm. Uh, Paul Mulindo, your, your thoughts on, on that? Yeah, thanks very much. Um, I think uh, Advocate is uh, right on that, um, but we have to just uh, to go uh, a little bit further on that, on that. The conflicts are already there. We need to work around the uh, issues, as he said, that delineate uh, rather than uh, um, build or uh, strong and uh, cohesive uh, communities. Take, for instance, the issue of poverty and limited economic uh, uh, development programs for the pastoralist communities. I tend to agree with the, the point he said, for Africa to develop, native must die. It, in all these countries where pastoralists are, it is like they are neglected, they are marginalized, and as such, they gang up with their small arms and the solutions they can get to work around it. We need also to look at the environment. We need to look at how do we address the climatic changes issues so that they are not, okay, pastoralism is a livelihood, but they are not all over and they call, confusing each and every uh, person within that mm-hmm. location, as well as building social institutions as they used to be in the traditional days so that they can manage these tensions, they can manage these disputes and um, to reduce and mitigate the conflict on the mm, ground. Mm. Professor Maposa, I'm giving you the final say. Uh, I mean, like I said at the start of the conversation, that we are dealing with complex issues that do not necessitate for simple, straightforward answers. Mm, mm. These are long-term uh, issues of transformation. And uh, for me, the key thing, the key issue here is reimagining African leadership. Uh, a new uh, contemporary African leadership that will encourage creating of economic and societal structures that create favorable uh, and uh, egalitarian opportunities for everyone. Secondly, a new African leadership that will invest in healing and freeing the broken minds. Remember, the African people are a brutalized people. Our minds, the way which we see things, has been violated by many years of colonialism, of apartheid, and today of continued uh, coloniality. And so we need a freeing, a healing of that mindset. And lastly, uh, we can then begin to motivate people to the best of their ability, uh, uh, investing in the capacities of people. African people, culturally and naturally, are a group of people who are concerned by the welfare of others, who are collective in nature, unlike some other groups of the world which are individualistic. The African people are collective uh, and have a tight social framework uh, of strong and cohesive in-groups that are opposed to out-groups. So the new reimagined African leadership should begin to invest uh, uh, in these ways of freeing the African mindset uh, and also of creating equal opportunities uh, because we have seen how leadership you know, exacerbates mm-hmm. uh, inequalities by favoring some groups opposed to other groups uh, you know, to gather for political support. But mm. we need to create an equal opportunity mm. for all people uh, w- w- without, without tribe, without a uh, 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 region of, 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 of uh, you know, where one comes from. Mm. Uh, these are the key issues for me, reimagining 
African leadership for the contemporary society. Well, fantastic thoughts there coming from our guests. That's Professor Sylvester Maposa ending it on that uh, good note. Reimagining the leadership on the African continent. That sounds like a, an idea for a next pr- uh, program that we can speak on. How do we reimagine a leadership on the African continent? Professor Maposa is the Chief Research Specialist at Ar- the Africa Institute of South Africa, and uh, that is a program part of the uh, Human Sciences Research Council. Thank you to Advocate Sabelo Sibanda, who's the founder of the School of African Awareness and Ama Africa Akoto. Thank you to Paul Mulindwa, who's the Senior Project Officer at the Center for Conflict Resolution. A very informative program. What are your thoughts on how conflicts in tribal and ethnic contexts manifest? Give us your thoughts on our Twitter handle at Channel Africa or at African Dialogue. That's at Channel Africa 1. Well, that's how we wrap up the program today. We're going to end up with some indigenous music I'm told this one is titled Takura uh, by a group called the Storm Nihasi.